a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi. Hi. How are you? Look how official you look. You look so glamorous. I put makeup on for you. I'm so excited to chat. Christy Dash is the girl you need to know. She is the bubbly, energetic, wanted to be your best friend kind of girl. She's also the fashion and beauty partnerships manager at Instagram. Christy is a small town girl who moved to New York that interned at every magazine in town, including Vogue, Teen Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. Fast forward a few years and Christy is working with Eva Chen at Lucky Magazine. And then this thing called Instagram arrived and changed our worlds forever. Well, I know the lighting situation is kind of dire here because I'm. it's like nighttime. I reckon you were good where you started. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I first met Christy at Instagram HQ two years ago in New York when she took me on a private tour of the wonderful world of Instagram. It was unbelievable. I got to ask her how to stand out on Instagram and she's going to share some of those tips with us today. It's very good with that clap. (laughs) Our clapper is very good. (laughs) Christy, I am so excited for you to join me on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm genuinely so excited to chat today. I feel like the last time I saw you was in New York and I felt mm-hmm. like I was meeting the Wizard of Oz. I just have to say when I got the invitation to come to IGHQ Facebook, I was like, OMG. I can't believe it's been a year since we've seen each other. It's so weird. And it is so crazy to think how much has changed since then. Obviously, like my job, I feel like in some ways is a bit more boring because we don't have the big Emerald City Instagram HQ to take meetings in. But this is fine in the meantime. This is amazing. I'm so glad you could (laughs) join me. So to start, I like to do a thing called the Fast Five. So really quick questions. Don't think about them too much. The less you think about them, the more honest they are and the more fun they are. Great. Okay. This is a good one for you. Would you rather give up social media or eat the same dinner for the rest of your life? Oh my God. Um... I would probably give up social media. I did not not expect that. that. (laughs) (laughs) I literally think I'm the only person that said they'll eat the same meal for the rest of their life. (laughs) Says a lot about me. Understandable. (laughs) Okay. What's one thing you always have in your fridge? Apples. That's a really weird answer. No, I like it. (laughs) First email address. Oh my God. It was Christy Rock Girl, not because I liked rock music, but because I actually collected rocks. <laughs> we don't even need to what have a great to go- way to kickstart this podcast. <laughs> we don't even need to go into that, but I kind of love it. I kind of love it. That was also uh, my first screen name, too, the AIM screen name. I like that. Was really that. Cool. Christy Rock. <laughs> Who would play you in a movie of your life story? Oh, man. 
people have been telling me lately that I kind of look like Kiernan Shipka, which is funny because I feel like she's like 10 years younger than me. But let's go with Kiernan Shipka. Yeah, love, take love it. Kiernan. Take it. And a hidden talent that nobody knows you have. Um, I'll be honest, Elle, you probably are with me on this. I feel like I don't really have hidden talents. If I had any talents, I would share them on Instagram. So I don't think I can say hidden talent. I mean, I guess maybe people don't know that I used to be a dancer, but I have talked about that on Instagram. So like tap dancing, that's a fun one. I like that. (laughs) No one's seen me tap dance before. (laughs) Well, you know what? This year could be your year. Bring the taps back out. Yep. Yep. For sure. Everybody is listening to this because nobody ever gets to talk to anybody that works for Instagram. It's actually quite amazing. Seriously, even being in Australia, kind of that little bit further out, I remember when I got the email saying you were coming to Australia, I was like, what? These people are real? (laughs) They're in fashion and beauty? They're going to be here? Aw, thanks, Al. (laughs) Just to set it up for people, like the Instagram HQ is literally what you imagine it to be like. I think we walked in on it was like Taco Tuesday and everybody was going down. Uh-huh. Everybody that worked there like went down to the floor to get the tacos. Then we like went to the the food area where there were like chefs making fresh juices. There were like peanut M&Ms to your heart desire. Like it was everything you imagine. And it's just like so bizarre to think that you kind of have pivoted again, but you're still in this position of doing this amazing job, you know? And I remember when we sat down and spoke, I was like, what's the trends that are happening in fashion and beauty? And I remember it was all about video and like, you're the leader, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're the ones that we look at. And I just think it's amazing to have held that and kept going with everything else that's gone on. I think it's a real um, tribute to who you are because you're so bubbly and you're so amazing when we get your stories. It's so good. Oh, thank you so much. That means the world truly. So before we get into what you're doing now, I want to know, how did you get into the industry that was before social media? Because a lot of people, I mean, A, to get into Instagram is phenomenal, but actually your career before IG was amazing. So also when I first met you, you're so full of life. You're so passionate. You're so excited. You're somebody that I just want to be around. So when I got to read more and more about you, I was like, oh my God, I want to know it all. So can you share with us how you kind of started in this industry? Wow. Yeah. So where to begin? Um, So I am originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is, I mean, a a pretty big city in the States, but um, I, you know, I say I'm from that city, but really it's like 30 minutes outside um, in the suburbs, which is actually 30 minutes outside of um, Amish country. I don't know if you guys have Amish people in Australia, (laughs) but it's like really in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if we do, but I've seen some sort of Tim Allen movie where he goes to an Amish. That's how, that's all I'm thinking. That's all I can remember. (laughs) So yeah, there you have the reference of like somewhere in between Amish and Pittsburgh was me. Um, and so, you know, growing up in a, a sort of small town, like I I actually had exposure to New York City and like things outside of my town because I was a really serious dancer growing up, which I hinted at with the tap dancing fast five. <laughs> um, but I really was quite serious to the point that every summer from, I guess, the ages of like 12 or 13 to 
really like 17, 18, I would go and study dance in New York City. Oh, wow. um, and so I always had this dream of moving to the Upper West Side of Manhattan because that's where I would study. And I'd think one day, like, I won't have to stay in this terrible dorm. Like, I'll <laughs> have a cute apartment on like one of those cute streets. And um, funny enough, that's actually my favorite place to live. Really? I'm feeling like you're the girl from Center Stage. That's exactly what I'm thinking right now. Yeah. <laughs> so you were in New York, you were studying dance. Yeah. And I just always knew, you know, I wanted to leave Pittsburgh and go to New York. But really at that point, that was because I thought I was going to be a dancer. <laughs> and so I ended up um, deciding to go to college in New York City um, to study communications. And really, that was sort of, you know, in my head at that point, that was my backup plan. Like, I really just wanted to get to New York, start auditioning and kind of accelerating my career in dance and theater. But really, after a semester of college, like, I just didn't have it in me to continue going to auditions. Um, And it wasn't about the rejection, to be honest. Like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, it must have been so hard to, you know, every day just being, I mean, judged purely based off of how you look or, you know, one 30 second little combination. But that's actually not what it was. It was really me just being impatient and wanting to start working. And I was, you know, in Manhattan and I feel like I was learning so much about different um, walks of life. And I was like, you know, I, I heard of different friends doing internships at really cool companies like MTV or NBC or different fashion magazines. And genuinely, Elle, like I never even, that wouldn't have crossed my mind before moving to New York that it was even possible to work at a place like a fashion magazine. Um, And so I just kind of started applying to various um, internships and um, I ended up landing this one at Harper's Bazaar in the fashion closet. Um, I love that. that. I know. This, that's I your know. First it's one. crazy. You've now transitioned from center stage into the Whitney Port in the city. Yes. That's now who you are. Yeah, that was me. And I would be lying if I said that that didn't impact my decision to test out the waters in fashion magazines. And <laughs> when I got to, um, I ended up actually getting an internship at Teen Vogue a couple years later and was like, oh my God, this is like the dream. Like, are you serious? Like yes. Whitney Port and Elsie were not there, but it was still really amazing. <laughs> and what happened when you were there? Like, did you realize that you had a flair for hanging out in the wardrobe? What, what happened while you were there? Yeah. So, you know, in high school, honestly, and again, I hinted at this with the Christy Rock girl thing, but I was a total nerd, like a a really good student, cared a lot about my grades, but that was also because, you know, I had to get good grades in order to go to dance or do these summer programs and whatnot. So I really cared, but I always did have a natural inclination to like you know, I I was pretty good at writing. Like that was always my strong suit. And even I remember in like elementary school, I would write these kind of crazy stories and my English teachers were always really encouraging um, of that sort of skill that I had. And so, you know, in my head, I was like, okay, well, I'm interested in magazines because how cool would it be to write for a magazine? But of course, you know, you don't actually have a byline in a magazine for years and years and years. Even, I mean, internships are one thing, but then you become an assistant or maybe an assistant editor. And then maybe as an associate editor, you get a byline, especially at that point. Um, So yeah, during the internships, I think I just 
was really interested in um, the fashion and beauty industry, of course, like as a young woman, like I cared a lot about fashion and beauty. It wasn't something that I very closely identified with, but I just was enthralled um, as I learned more um, and realized how much more there was to it than just, you know, a lipstick and a, and a shirt, but like, especially with beauty, like the science behind these skincare products or beauty as a way to express yourself and same with fashion. And so I was just uh, really, really into the whole thing. And, you know, at that point from that first internship at Bazaar, um, which was really my crash course in fashion, again, like I didn't really know that much at that point. Um, I did kind of jump around within different departments in fashion magazines. So at that point, that was the fashion department. I tried, you know, at Teen Vogue, I was in the beauty department. I also had a couple random internships in the entertainment world um, to kind of try my hand in that to sort of almost check things off of the list that yeah. I thought maybe I'd want to do, but to, to experiment. And that's obviously a huge perk of going to school in New York is you get, you know, those opportunities. Who was kind of supporting you along the way? Because I guess we're going in one road of the dancer and then you were like, nope, I'm doing this. I'm now in this magazine world. Who was supporting you? Did you have some cheerleaders? Yeah. So this is actually, I have a really cute, funny story that I was thinking about ahead of this podcast because I have not talked about it publicly ever. And it's not weird. Like it's not a secret. And that's why I'm excited (laughs) to tell you about it. But I was actually chatting with a friend about doing this and I was like, what was my sliding door moment? And it was this. So I'm going to tell you. Um, Well, first of all, my family is the biggest support system. I'm so grateful for them. I think to be honest, they were just happy that I wasn't trying to be a dancer. And that would be, that would have been even harder. I mean, fashion, the world of fashion and, you know, obviously what you do, it's like so competitive, but I mean, that's like on a whole other level. And so I think they were just very excited about that. Um, But I have a really cute story with my sister. So my sister was really at that point, one of the only people that I knew in New York. She finished high school online so that she could study ballet in New York as well. Um, And so I think because I was there, my parents felt okay with sending her as well. And so we were really like, we didn't know anyone else um, going to New York at, I guess I was like 18, 19, and she was even younger, like 16, (laughs) 17. Um, And so one day I was at a Broadway show, watching a Broadway show. I think it was Kinky Boots. Oh, yeah. And I get a text during the first act, and I didn't see it until intermission because I don't look at my phone during the show. Yeah. And she was like, Christy, um, this is so random. I don't know what you're doing. I think you're at Kinky Boots, but you need to come meet me at this studio because I met this fashion stylist who needs help organizing her different racks of clothing or she's getting ready for a photo shoot. Like, this would be great to put on your resume since you're trying to apply for these internships. Uh. Because at that point, I hadn't even, I hadn't even been at Bazaar yet. So I had like nothing related to fashion on my resume. Um, But my sister being the beautiful ballet dancer that she was actually got to do a photo shoot with Kanye West for Men's Italian Vogue. And it never even ran, which is like shitty that we don't have the proof to show that this like even happened. Um, But but she met this stylist through this Men's Italian Vogue shoot. She's a pretty well-known stylist. And I don't want to call her out here because it almost, it just feels like slightly awkward. But I, I ended up leaving the show early so that I could go do this thing. I left my friend, like my friend stayed, like she finished watching the show. I left and 
went and helped her organize racks of clothing for like five hours. And because I love organize, like I actually am sort of one of those psychotic people who like loves everything. I feel like you're probably the same. I know. I I was like, I was like, you're speaking to your people. I'm your people. Yeah. When I watch your Instagram stories, I'm like, she speaks to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like all the organizational like containers, like I love all that stuff. So it came really now. I was like, I actually really would enjoy doing this. Like this is kind of oddly satisfying in a way um, to pack trunks and organize racks. Like who says that? But that's that's a good skill to have if you're trying to work in fashion or beauty. So I did that just for like basically a day and I put it on my resume, which sounds kind of shady of me. Like I slightly exaggerated that I did this, but I mean, I wasn't lying. I was like, I, you know, assisted this well-known stylist um, for one photo shoot. And as a freshman in college, that's a lot. I mean, that's more than most of my peers did. It was just that one day. But um, I mean, it's so random, but it's so funny. Um, And so the editor at Bazaar who really like gave me a chance was like, oh, well, that's like literally exactly what you'll be doing as an intern here. So great, done. And I think that's, that's really... That was my sliding door moment was my sister helping me get my foot in the door. Yeah, but I love it because I think there's a lot in it. You know what I mean? Like you've got to take the chance. Yeah. You were literally going to pack bags, you know, and like you putting your hand up and going really did change the course of your world. Mm -hmm. So you were at Harper's interning. Yeah. Do you think network played a huge part in your kind of career, networking and meeting people? Because it is, I mean, social media now connects a lot of us, but before that, it was a lot of face-to-face. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I I mentioned I didn't really know anyone in the city at that point. And until I had that sort of random encounter with the (laughs) stylist and then that got me my foot in the door at Bazaar, I really didn't know anyone. And so once I actually got to an office with proper executives or editors or other like intern peers, to be honest, that was everything to me was like being able to, and the word networking is, sounds kind of gross and like thirsty and I hate (laughs) using it, but it's, it really is so much about the people that are surrounding you, the people who you make an impact on and vice versa. And I think that's really what led to the opportunities I had down the road were, were that I, I was working really hard, made an impression on the editors who then recommended me for future internships. Um, and, you know, obviously for anyone who follows me or ha- knows anyone who works at Instagram, you probably know who Ms. Eva Chen is. Um, she's yes. like obviously been my biggest mentor, um, hiring me at Teen Vogue as a baby beauty intern when I was, I mean, I, I guess I was a sophomore. Um, and then, uh, you know, hiring me at Lucky. I find this story incredible because I find it so amazing that she hired you and then you guys have almost had this next chapter journey together. Mm-hmm. So did you apply for a beauty editing role? So at that point, I was again, still interning. I yep. was just an intern in college. And so I just applied out of the blue. I sent her a completely random blind email. I, fa- I found her email address because, and I, I mean, tip for anyone out here, free advice. Yeah. You can pretty much figure out if you know a company's 
format for an email address, you can assume like, oh, then Eva Chen must have this <laughs> email address. And so I just randomly sent her an email. At that point, I had already done a few internships. And so I had enough yeah. sort of like writing clips and things on my resume that I could at least get my foot in the door. Yeah. But yeah, so she hired me as an intern. And then it was it was before social media was really becoming a thing. And that was what was so interesting, not only about that experience with Eva and at Teen Vogue, but throughout my career, I sort of, I, I came into the editorial landscape as Instagram started becoming a thing. I mean, at that point, I guess Twitter was probably around, yeah. but not obviously. And I'm not just saying this because I work at Instagram, but no. like, obviously Instagram changed the game for yeah. the fashion and beauty industry and for the publishing houses that I was working at. And so even just to witness Eva be such an early mover on Instagram was so inspiring to me and thinking about you know, like what the next version of storytelling or what, what the next medium for storytelling is. And to me, that was so clearly social media and Instagram that it was really cool to kind of be a part of that taking off and also Eva's career taking yeah. off, you know, being her assistant then um, a few years later at Lucky Magazine. And so, yeah, it's been a very surreal experience to say the least. So how did you go from traditional publishing into the realm that is Instagram. You know, I mean, honestly, when I talk to people about this and as people ask me for advice, like how do you make the transition? For me, it was just that I was in the center of it all while it was transitioning. And so I feel like, you know, an example of that was after my time at Lucky, I was a beauty editor at Allure for a couple of years. And the publication was kind of going through um, a rebrand of sorts. And I, I felt like, there was something I could do to help with social media at the, at that time, Snapchat was starting to be a thing. Snapchat. Yes, it's so <laughs> funny. I still use one filter from Snapchat. I will say that <laughs> there's one filter I still use. <laughs> I, at that point, it was like the coolest thing with yeah. the stories. And so I, um, I started doing just in addition to my job as an editor at Allura, I, you know, was going to these crazy events. I got the most insane yeah. mailers, like packages of products that, you know, you're used to getting at this point. And so I'm like, guys, like, why don't we have anyone recording this for social media? Like, this is the future. People want to know what's going on behind the scenes at these offices. They want to get to know the editors, yeah. which obviously we were kind of doing it lucky. But at that point in time, it was like, hello, like someone should be doing this. Yeah. I'll just like volunteer myself as tribute. And so <laughs> I started running the Snapchat account just like in addition to my job. And so, you know, that that sounds really simple, but I, I think that is advice that I always give people is like, be curious and, yeah. and thinking about like, what are the what are the gaps that you could be filling at your workplace that are, I mean, whether it's social media or not, it's like something that you can bring to the table that maybe is a little extra work, but something that could help you move beyond the current role that you're in. And so, you know, even just gaining that experience sort of led me to, you know, the job after that, which was a bit more social media heavy, which led me to end up being a full-time consultant for a year um, where I basically helped different brands, public figures, magazines with their social media strategy. And that's really what led me to Instagram because that's that's what I do at Instagram just in an official capacity <laughs> with, you know, the Emerald City Instagram Which headquarter behind me. So it kind of set me up for that. Yeah, I think that's great advice to kind of look for the opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you're somebody that 
really does look for the opportunity and grab onto it and, and kind of go forward with it. Yeah. You would have seen so many changes happen and being at the forefront of social. And I'm sure you get asked this like a thousand times, like, how do you get noticed? How do you stand out? Yeah. I know you said like you, you blind emailed Eva and things like that, but it's like, how do you like push through the rest of the crowd? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, you heard my crazy story about the stylist. And so that was like a random thing that I had on my resume that technically got my first internship. But (laughs) beyond that, I think one, it takes patience. I, I know I said I didn't have much patience. I still feel like that's something that I have to constantly remind myself is that this this life that we're living is a marathon and not a sprint. And you have to be patient with yourself and the opportunities that come your way. But, you know, when I sent that random email to Eva at Teen Vogue, like I did already have a lot of experience for someone that age in college um, because, I mean, quite literally, And I didn't get too into the details of it earlier, but I mean, I was doing multiple internships while I was at school, working side jobs to just pay for living in New York as well. And so like, I really did work really hard. And, you know, I I feel like right now there's this weird thing. And I posted about it on Instagram the other day where I, I do kind of worry about the quote unquote, like hustle culture where everyone feels like they need to be working harder than the other person or staying in the office, the latest and grinding and hustling. And I kind of hate that, especially right now, like there's so much going on in the world that's so much more important than you working at all hours of the day. I I just really don't think that's healthy. But honestly, at that point, like I kind of had to do that in order to set myself apart. And I was willing to make sacrifices so that I could, you know, be on a random red carpet, like interviewing someone who like didn't know. I I mean, it was a publication that I don't even think exists anymore, this entertainment site. And no one wanted to talk to me, but like I found a way to push myself to the front and stick a microphone in their face and get like two quotes out of them. And maybe some people would say, you know, would go back to their editor and say like, I'm so sorry, I didn't really get anything great, but like I would never have let that happen. And even if it's two sentences, you write a story around it and make it sound, you know, (laughs) you fill it with other things. And so, I mean, that's a random example, but I think just like really noticing the random opportunities that come to you, squeezing every ounce of juice out of them and just being patient. Did you ever feel like giving up and it was all too hard? Well, I will tell you that there were many moments where there were some really late nights in the office, like especially as an assistant um, editor at Condé Nast. Like it, it was very much, um, I don't want to say it was like Devil Wears products. It was not. And I always had amazing bosses, but just the amount of work there was and how many hours of the yeah. day there were don't, didn't really add up. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely did a lot of dinners in the office. I remember just like opening up boxes, organizing things, um, it's funny, like if any of my old coworkers listen to this, they'll be like, oh, yes, we remember like <laughs> leaving the office and watching Christy like organize boxes or responding to emails. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there were a lot of really late nights in the office. I ordered dinner into the office many, many <laughs> times. We also, um, working at Allure, I, I got to actually work at Condé Nast when they were, they had just moved to the World Trade Center, mm-hmm. which was a pretty surreal experience. Um, yeah and such an honor, but they have a sort of 
connection to this mall called Brookfield Place. Mm-hmm. You can go underground. You don't even actually have to leave and go outside to like get to the food court. So almost every night, I mean, I would just go to Brookfield <laughs> Place, get dinner, sit in the lobby, eat it like sometimes cry, call my mom. Like it was so sad. And never see daylight. Yeah. And never see daylight or never leave. And at that point, I mean, especially during the winters in New York, you're like so grateful that you don't have to go outside. But (laughs) I think looking back, you know, there were some really crazy moments, but when I was in it, it just felt normal, which is kind of weird and scary. But I think the contrast of those late nights with like the crazy opportunities that we got to have as as magazine editors at sort in sort of like that heyday yeah. time, which was almost like, I mean, that wasn't even really the heyday. Like, I feel like that was more like 10, 15 years ago, to be honest, like the, that lifestyle is on another level. Yeah. Um, but just going to the these really cool events. And for me, I was not jaded to that, like coming from a small town, like I, I was so grateful to be in those rooms and get to experience like the craziest things and meeting the coolest people. And so it felt like, you know, there was this, this odd balance of like, okay, I'll work this really late night so that tomorrow I'm able to go do this other really cool thing. Yeah. So yeah, definitely some crazy times. Can I ask when you kind of walked in those doors at Instagram or even at one of the magazines, did you ever feel like you kind of had imposter syndrome? Do you know what I mean? Like you're not good enough to be there. Did you ever have doubt that came in? Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh my God, there's so many levels to this. Um, great question. I think that a lot of people, I mean, I feel like almost everyone has imposter syndrome <laughs> and they just don't talk about it or maybe it doesn't come up in a podcast or <laughs> in an opportunity <laughs> to speak about it. It's, it comes up randomly, but absolutely. I mean, I do feel like I've been for the most part, especially, I mean, I just told you all about my internship experience and being an assistant and whatnot. I've always sort of been one of the youngest people in the room. And I feel like I also, I mean, people tell me this sounds weird to say about myself, but people make comments that I just look really young, which I'm like, thank you. Like that seems weird to tell someone, but um, it's always backhanded. I feel like that, that compliment. I mean, I no, I feel like in beauty, it's, it's not it's because good. they're like, oh, what have you had done? And I'm like, nothing. Like, I'm, <laughs> this is just how I look. I'm 21. Yeah, I'm 21. Um, and I, I did just turn 29. I feel like in the past, I haven't talked about my age much because I just feel like there's this weird... Um, I don't know. And maybe it's in my head. Maybe it's an, this is an example of the yeah. imposter syndrome that creeped in um, for the last, you know, five years or so. But I just feel like I had to do more and more to prove myself or even just watch the way I present myself because yeah. I want to feel like I belong there. Um, but I think, to be honest, it was probably when... So I, I had a brief stint in London for about six months. And when I came back as a consultant full time, I, I tried the freelance thing, which I was always really nervous to do. Again, probably my imposter syndrome telling me I couldn't do it on my own or make a living on my own to be able to survive in New York City. But honestly, when I started doing that and realizing like, oh, wow, people will actually pay me for my time and yeah. like high level executives care about what I have to say, I I would say that's probably when that started to go away and just like owning that power of, oh, okay, like I do actually know what I'm talking about, you know, and (laughs) and having that be recognized. And obviously at Instagram, I, I mean, it's the smartest group of people 
I've ever worked with. And so I would be lying if I told you I still don't have moments where I feel that way. But also at the end of the day, it's kind of that same thing where I'm like, okay, people actually do, um, do care what I have to say. Yes, we do. I think just recognizing that power that you have and, and really like owning it is so important, but yeah, it's, it's so common. And I know so many of my friends in the industry feel the same way. How do you build your confidence? So if you are going into like one of those meetings and I think we've all been there, I know exactly what those meetings are like. And I think it's even harder being a female. And if you're blonde as well, and then you look young, it's like, it's like a trifecta. How do you build your confidence when you're going into something like that? Oh man. I mean, you kind of just fake it till you make it. (laughs) I feel like, right. Like, I don't know. I, I can't really pinpoint something that I would have done back then besides, I'm envisioning like a meeting that you're kind of like conjuring in my head. And I feel like I was in probably like a really nice publishing house, like building. And I was wearing something really chic and amazing. And I had probably a good lipstick on. And I I don't know. I just, again, it's like you fake it till you make it. I can literally add a movie to every chapter of your life. Like now you're in the Devil Wears Prada. That's where you are right now. Oh, (laughs) my head. 100%. (laughs) Yes, 100%. But like, I don't know. And that that really makes me miss dressing up. I miss wearing heels, which is crazy. I never would have said that like a year ago. But like, wow, I miss like actually looking cute and normal. But I think that is really what it is until you, until you, I mean, it's, it's practice, right? It's almost like, you know, as a writer, it takes practice to find your voice in your writing and your storytelling. I think when you're doing anything, regardless of what field you're in, it's like over time, Um, And you realize, oh, that meeting actually went pretty well. Or then maybe the next meeting, you're like, wow, that actually went really well. Like you start to kind of build that. And I think just giving yourself a pat on the back is okay. And you need to do that sometimes. So what's next for you? What is the next goal? Because I feel like you've ticked a lot off before you're 30. Just would like to add that in there. Like you've ticked a lot of boxes. What's the next goal for you? I don't know. I mean, I am so genuinely grateful um, at Instagram right now. Like I do feel like it's it's still very much like the center of what's what's happening yeah. in the world that we work in. I think my, uh, you know, on a personal level, I'm just trying to find more balance in yeah. my life and yeah. spending more time with family, friends, relationships. Like I have not allowed myself to do that for pretty much my entire adult life, like living in New York, like doing the whole Well, it's the, the hustle. Whole thing. It like is the that New York hustle. Grind. Yeah. 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 And that's why I said earlier that I, I don't want to glamorize that no. mentality because I just don't, I, I while I don't regret it at all, and that's the reason why I'm here today, I just feel like this year, if anything, hopefully has opened people's eyes and mind to the fact that there's so much more than just like what you're doing. Um in the workplace or what your career is. So on a personal level, I'm trying to just um, close my laptop at a certain hour <laughs> and be done and move on with my life. Um, but I don't know. And I think the the one thing I'll say, I think when I was a younger editor trying to find my place in the industry, and this is advice actually Eva always gave to me, and I feel like I'm finally starting to listen to, is like, you can't really have a plan these days. I mean, no, I feel free to disagree with me. Also, I I feel like other people disagree with me and that's fine. Yeah. But things are changing so rapidly right now that I just don't know that it's even a smart decision in business to think, oh, this is what I'm going to do in five years because 
that might not, I mean, there might be an entirely new thing in five years. There could be- Your job didn't exist. Look how much has changed in one year. That's what I mean. Like I think about it and I think about my job. Do you know what I mean? Like this job didn't exist. You know what I mean? Which is amazing. I would love to just get your advice to somebody that's wanting to do it on their own. You know what I mean? If they're kind of starting their journey to success, what would your advice be? I do think it's so much about the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. I didn't know anyone moving to New York, but I quickly made friends and fostered those relationships. And I think regardless of, you know, what industry you're in or what exactly you're trying to do, I think those meaningful relationships that you forge early on, they really do, like, that's like your currency. And it really, really matters. And I think to this day, like, there are people who you know, as a young editor who I would do like breakfast with in the mornings, who I work with today at Instagram, like I can help them do their job. They can help me do my job. And it's like a two-way street that feels, you know, again, like that word networking sounds really gross and icky. I personally (laughs) hate it, but like it is about finding that network of people to kind of grow with you. And a lot of, a lot of my network really was from interning and like the the other girls who were with me in the fashion closet. Like I still am really close with a lot of them. Like some of them are my, like truly my best friends, um, Mm. even outside of a professional capacity. So I think it's a lot about, about that community, but also it is just like owning your power, being confident. Um, I think finding your unique voice and like, that's always my, you know, putting my official Instagram hat on for a second, like on Instagram, especially for the world that you're in. I mean, you grew to the place that you are today because you had this unique perspective and you weren't just doing like what everyone else was doing. And I think people usually come to us at Instagram and ask for like, what, you know, what is your advice? What are your best practices? And of course we could like name some of those, but I think at the end of the day, it's like you being true to yourself. The word authenticity is such a buzzword thrown around loosely today, but it's like genuinely like what is what is what you're doing different from the person next to you and like show that and show the like in between moments and not just like those highlights of your life and I do remember asking you we were talking about how the grid is so polished and it is something that you guys were trying to make a little bit more real and a bit more like unfiltered and things like that so how do you stand out on Instagram Oh man. Okay. So there are so many things. I also feel like since we last spoke, we've quite literally launched a lot of new features, which is really exciting. I know it can probably feel somewhat overwhelming to some of you who are like, oh God, like yet another thing that I have to do. (laughs) The reels and I get along really well. Love to hear it. Yeah. I just guess it's how do you stand out? Yeah. Is it video? Yeah. So I know I told you video like back when we met yeah. and it still very much is um, like the medium that's doing really, really well on Instagram right now. And I think it is partly whether it's a reel that you're posting um which is a fun kind of short form dynamic video um, or IGTV. It's like a longer video um, or just plain old stories where you're just sharing your crazy life. I think 
there's something about the sort of raw feel of a video, even if it's beautifully produced or if you have a filter on it, like something about it just feels a little bit more tangible than a photo. And I think that's what performed really well when Instagram first became a thing. And probably even like, you know, when you first started on the platform, like it was all just pretty pictures, but we didn't even have video. I mean, you couldn't even post video back then. Like we launched that because we realized that was sort of where the world of social media was going. Um, and so, yeah, video is still really big. Reels, I really would highly encourage anyone out there who's looking to stand out. Like, that's one of the main reasons why we created Reels. Um, the new kind of redesign of yeah. the app um, highlights these videos on Reels that are from people who you don't follow, which is such an exciting opportunity to be great. able to feel like there's a new window into kind of discovering you or your content. So top tip, try reels. Don't be afraid to experiment. Get crazy if you need to. And then there's another fun fact about reels, which you can actually post a reel, share it to your feed so that all of your followers can see it. But you can go back onto your profile, like your grid view, and remove it from your grid. So if you want to maintain the aesthetic, which... I always kind of tell people, like, don't worry about this. Know, but, we really do. Cares. Um, <laughs> but we but do. But we do, and that's fine. We do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which is why I'm saying, yes. for those of you who want your grid, you can still post a reel, share it to your feed, get full feed distribution, uh, but then go into your profile, click the little three dots, and yes. remove profile view. So it still shows up oh, in, yes. like, the real tab on your profile. But not on the grid. Correct. Oh, I feel like that's a scoop. Is it? Yes, I oh, did good. not know that. Thank you. So it's fun because then you could get a little bit more raw or like something that maybe does feel a little bit out of your normal yeah. like aesthetic and comfort zone, um, but still have all of your followers see it in addition to having it show up on the Reels tab. So oh, that'd be my that. main tip. Thank you. Christy, forever you're going to be Christy Rock to me. You're no longer Christy Dash. You're going to be Christy Rock for as long as our Christy friendship. Rock Girl. For, Christy okay, Rock Christy Rock Girl. girl. It's, it's, yeah. I, I kind of really into it and kind of think she needs to come back just quietly. Well, what's funny is that it was rocks, like actual rocks, like crystals and stuff. And now that's such a trend. So I was really just ahead of the trend. Exactly. You need to go back to your parents' house and find your box of rocks. Oh I, know, oh, I know exactly where they are. They're all there. I love it. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I admire your journey. I've loved hearing about it. I think the word hustle isn't right, but you have just gone for it. You know what I mean? And taken opportunity when it was presented. And I think it's something to really admire. So thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Yay. Thanks, Al. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager, Camille Toulouse, for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.